Our, our scripture this morning comes from Matthew 26, verses 57 to 75, as we continue uh, in the story that Matthew tells for us this morning. Hear these words. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, he deserves death. Then some spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, You will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. Well, again, good morning and, and welcome uh, to the Olathe Campus of Christ Community. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's been fun studying Matthew. We've been at it for a long time. Um, why don't we pray together uh, and then we'll jump in uh, to this story this morning. Pray with me. God, we are so grateful that you have called us uh, to yourself and to this place, that you've given us your word to know you, to be changed by you, and ultimately to be saved, rescued by you. So God, I, I pray that as we look at these words, for some of us, these words are probably fairly new. Um, maybe we're unfamiliar with this, this incredible story. For others, uh, it seems so, so familiar, almost, almost to the point of, of being uninteresting and unimportant. And so God, I, I pray that you would do a work in us as we think about what is actually happening here, that you, uh, the Son of God, Lord Jesus, have come to take upon our sins. I pray that we would see ourselves in this story not just Peter and the disciples and the religious leaders, but we would see us there, desperate also for a savior. And so speak to us, we pray, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name, amen. amen. All right, so I'm gonna start off with a little rant. Um, some of you, you know, you expect that at this point, for me anyway. Um, but let me, let me just do it, and it, it's, it'll be over quick, and it'll hopefully make sense at some point, um, and it's really, really unimportant at all, but whatever happened to, like, good superhero movies? Like, like, when is it that they all became terrible? I mean, you know what I'm talking, I used to love these movies, and now it's like, I mean, they're just kind of, I mean, sorry, fellow nerds, 
Those of you, like, they're just kind of dead to me at this point. And I, I remember, I remember the day that they died. I mean, not specifically, but this, this setting. I was watching one of them. I don't even remember which, which is the problem, right? It's the same two and a half hours of pointless CG action and drivel, right? It's just so spectacular and mundane all at the same time, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and in this particular one, honestly, I don't remember which, uh, it was like every villain who's ever lived versus every good guy who's ever been imagined, all fighting together, right, in the same thing. And then all of a sudden, like unannounced, out of the blue, like Spider-Man shows up. <laughs> like he shows up to help. Like, you know, like it's moving day. I mean, it was just so over the top ridiculous. I thought at that point, you know, no offense, Spider-Man, but you're dead to me. Like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Like, I mean, and there's been articles written about this, how each one has to be more spectacular than the rest and cram more heroes and, and more fantastic and all of this stuff, right? And like, why do we do that? Like, why do we have to have so many heroes? How many heroes can there really be, honestly, right? I don't know why we do it. But I do know this. I mean, we all want to play the hero, right? Uh, we all want to identify with some hero and think that we can be that person. We want to fix our own problems. And, you know, we want to be able to have our own answers. We want to be able to, you know, be okay, to think we're fine and, and that we don't need help and we can carve out our own way and, you know, all those, those kinds of things. I mean, I want to be my own hero. I don't want to be Robin. I want to be Batman, right? I'm not alone in this, am I? <laughs> I don't think. And where it gets difficult is then we read this story and you quickly realize, I mean, all the writers, they tell it the same, right? And all the sidekicks, all the friends, all the buddies, the entire supporting cast in this story either condemns, abandons, betrays, or denies Jesus. Honestly? It's one of the reasons why I believe this story is true, like that these events actually truly happen. Because I mean, think about it. Like if you were to invent a religion about some guy named Jesus, you probably wouldn't write it in such a way that everyone around him is the worst, right? I mean, you'd want at least some of the followers to, to do what's right and say, yes, we're with you, Jesus, and we're going we're gonna to go. Like you, you want that, don't you? Or even the fact that like the religious leaders, like those, the churchgoers, right? The ones who should have recognized him. They want nothing, they, not only do they want nothing to do with him, they're ready to crucify him. Like, if you were to make up a story, you wouldn't do it like this, right? Because even if you think about the 12 friends of Jesus, these 12 guys, these 12 disciples, every one of them, I mean, think about it, right? They, they saw all of it. They saw the miracles, they heard all the sermons, they lived with Jesus, traveled with Jesus, ate with Jesus for three years. I mean, just imagine being able to have been in their shoes to see and hear what they saw and heard. And every one of them, I mean, one betrays him, right? Sells him out for next to nothing. Another denies him. Jesus who? Never heard of him, right? And the other 10 all run scared, abandoning him in his hour of greatest need. Everyone else in this story is a villain, really. I mean, if you think about it, like there's... Only, only Jesus stands above the rest. And I mean, if, if Peter failed, Peter? I mean, Peter's like the Eric Hosmer of the disciples, right? And if he fails, like what hope is there for you and me, right? 
And you can't miss it in the way that Matthew tells the story, and frankly, the way Mark and Luke and John tell this story. You cannot miss what they're getting at, what they want us to recognize. That there's only one hero in this story. There's only one hero in this story, and it's not me. It's not you. It's not Spider-Man, right? It's not the disciples. These, these guys are the, are the worst. And still, Jesus dies for us. So we've been studying Matthew a long time. And we're, we're in Jesus' final week here. So even just set the stage, especially if you're new, maybe you've been with us and you kind of know where we are, but if you're, if you're newer, it's, it's still Thursday night. So Jesus, he's already uh, taken the bread and, and broke it. But we're in the same night. It's in Matthew 26. You can follow along there as we tell the story if you want to. Um, feel free to do that. Um, but even like to go back a little bit earlier on in the evening, not that, not that long before, right? Before all the stuff that I just read happened. Verse 31, Matthew tells us, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. Skip down a little bit. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, um, let me, I hate to correct you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. I mean, that really had to be a pretty terrible moment in Jesus' life, Right? Because he knows. He knows what's going to happen. And he hears them make these ridiculous promises like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's nice. Thanks for saying that, I guess. I mean, they, they meant well, certainly. I'm sure they did. But Jesus is about to die, one of the most gruesome deaths ever invented, suffering the wrath of God for our sin, for you and for me and for them. It's only a few verses and a few hours later that we see, right? Judas comes with the, you know, the soldiers, and so Judas is kind of the first to go. He, he betrays them there, and Matthew tells us, then all the disciples left him and fled, all, like terrified, right? They're just trying to save their own skin at this point. They're freaking out. I mean, I mean, just think of, like, sorry, Jesus, it's been fun. Yeah. Good luck with the crucifixion. <laughs> Three years they've spent with him. And just like imagine what that, like put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a second, right? Uh, let's, let's just say you, imagine you, you, right? Sitting here, this, like you've been falsely accused for something, okay? Uh, and as a result, you're facing the death penalty for a crime you did not commit. And everyone you love Picture their faces. They all leave. All of them. Nobody left to see you to the end. No one left to even just like know that you're, you're not alone. And then add to that, like then just add the extra step. Like, like what if you're actually dying in their place, right? Like you volunteered to step in and, instead of them and still they leave. Anybody else having second thoughts about this whole dying for their sins thing? 
And not Peter, though. Peter does follow at a distance, okay? So there's that. As they force Jesus to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where they have this, like, sham trial. I mean, it's, it's an old-fashioned lynching, really. Uh, it's dead of night, right? False witnesses. I mean, ridiculous accusations. Like, Matthew's very clear. And, like, this is not the way it should have been. This is not a normal way, even, even to, to think about what's happening here. And, and not only are there just ridiculous accusations, I mean, there's just so much irony in this, in this story, right? This, this small scene. I mean, think about this. So you've got the high priest who's meant to atone for the people. He's there questioning the true high priest who would be our ultimate atonement. I mean, the judge of everything in the world being judged by this small, angry man, right? Accusations about the temple when there stands the presence of God with skin on. And Jesus accused of blasphemy by the, by the same people who would literally spit in God's face. Do you see the irony? But they're afraid of the Romans, afraid of a loss of their power, or afraid of a loss of, of comfort. And they condemn the only one who could rescue them. And Peter just outside, listening to it all. Hearing the accusations, the claims, and, and frankly, hearing these incredible claims that, that Jesus makes, that, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the judge of everything. But Peter has also heard him condemned and watches as he's beaten. Imagine it like this. Tangela Grat in Yenuth. The 
amazing what a couple hours can do, right? And a little bit of fear and the urge towards self-preservation. Matthew tells us immediately the rooster crowed. Luke, Luke adds that at that moment their eyes do meet. And Peter, he went out and wept bitterly. This was Peter's last moment before Jesus' death, with Jesus. Last time. His goodbye. I don't know the man. Still, Jesus goes to the cross. Still, he dies for him. For them. And and for us, because I mean, like, I don't have to make a case to you, do I, that we do the same. Like maybe, maybe not that, like it doesn't look like that, but come on, we, we deny Jesus, reject him, ignore him, betray him, abandon him. And we do it at every turn and still he dies for us. There's only one hero in this story. And, and the reality is there can only be one hero in your story. Uh, we all try to be the hero, right? We want to be, and we, we're convinced that we can do it. We just try hard and, and focus, and you know, we can be the very best version of ourselves, and you know, we'll muscle through and make, make our own choices. We want that. Yeah, come on, like, how's that working out for you? Because you know your weaknesses, the people that you hurt, the selfishness, the failure. I can try to be my own hero, or I can let him be the hero. The one who looks at my failures, sees all of them, and dies for us anyway. There can only be one hero in our story. And, and, and here's, here's why. There's three lessons, I think, come out of this, these, these two stories together as we continue. Three things that I'm just I'm struck by as I, as I read this, and I, and I know my own desire to save myself, and I see that, that only Jesus can do it. So three things. The first, and we see this with, with Peter and the disciples. You see it even in, in the religious leaders, I think. First thing that jumps out to me is that cowardice is one of the surest signs of failure. Cowardice is one of the surest signs of failure. We, we tend to minimize like fear or the power of fear in our, in our lives. or you know, We don't talk about cowardice or being a coward very often. But I mean, when, when are you most likely to, not, to deny Jesus? Anything about that? Okay. You know, pursuit of pleasure, yeah, that, that probably comes up. Laziness, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty there. Um, but what about, what about fear? Because Peter, understandably, he's afraid of suffering and death, right? And, and the religious leaders, they're afraid of the Romans, afraid of losing power, their way of life, their comfort. I mean, we're really not that different from them, are we? In fact, C.S. Lewis once referred to courage as the chief virtue. Uh, because, because he described it as, as courage is like fear is the testing point of every other virtue. 
Uh, and so you can, you can have love and honesty and integrity and kindness and mercy, but if you don't have courage in those moments of fear when those things are at the test, you'll cave. That we have to have courage to be able to, to be obedient, to, li- to live it out. Fear, if not faced with courage, leads to failure at every turn. And we know that, right? We, we fear financial insecurity, and so we hoard. A loss of comfort, so we avoid people who are different than us. We, we fear other, other people's opinions of us a lot. And so we tell half-truths or no truth at all, right? Or, or we overwork and overextend ourselves so that people will like us. For we're afraid of missing out, and so we don't make any commitments And there's nothing wrong with being afraid. Like, of course you're afraid. Like, look around the world, right? If you're not scared, like, you're probably kind of an idiot, right? I mean, it's like there's things to be afraid of all around us. So we're not just talking about fear. It's it's cowardice when when those fears control you, like when they become your master, when when you shrink back from what you know you should be doing, from what you know God has called you to do, what he has done for you. And we just say, you know, I'm just a little too afraid. And so let me ask, and I hate this question, where is fear your master? Where, I mean, if you're honest, where is it your boss telling you what to do? Or, or maybe you're, you're not quite there yet, but where, where, is, where are you at risk of giving in to cowardice? To save your own skin or your own comfort? I mean, I know you see it in your life, don't you? I see it in mine. And I don't, I don't want it to be there. And so, you know, I, then the next question is like, how do, I, how do I grow in courage? How do I stop being so afraid? Like, do I just try harder? I'm just, I'm not going to be scared next time and I'll, I'll do better, right? I mean, that would have worked well for Peter, right? Uh, or, or you think, you know, do I just need to make more empty promises like the disciples do? Of course not. We know better than that. And that leads us to the second thing that we see here. We need a better hero because good intentions aren't good enough. Good intent, you can't miss it, right? Good intentions are not good enough. And we as a people, we love good intentions, don't we? We'll forgive a lot of things for, for good intentions. Well, he means well. Oh, he's got a good heart. You know, she tried so hard. I mean, we'll, we'll quickly pass over things for good intentions, but I mean, think about that. Like, it just doesn't cut it. I mean, the religious leaders, they probably mean well. I mean, they don't want to stir the pot so much that the Romans come and kill all the Jews, right? They don't want to do that. They, they mean well. They're, they're probably trying to somewhat protect not just themselves, but the people around them. And they probably meant well as they cried out, crucify him. My disciples certainly meant well as they made those promises to Jesus. We will stand with you. Yeah, we, we will die with you, I promise. Yeah, good for them, right? Way to go with the intentions. And we can do the, I can do the same thing, right? I mean, I meant to be at home on time with my kids after work. I meant to buy Kelly a, a birthday present. Um, I meant to stop sinning, right? Um, I mean, honestly, I meant to write a better sermon than this one. Um, it's, it's actually not a joke. Uh, aren't you so glad I met well, right? Like, meaning to follow Jesus is not the same thing as following Jesus. Like, you know that, right? 
Trying to obey is not the same thing as obedience. And courage doesn't just happen. If you want to actually follow him through your fears, I mean, like a, like a marathon runner, you have got to start training I mean, if you want to be a better person, the best version of yourself, and of course you do. Like, we all want to grow and change, don't we? Of course we do. But good intentions are not good enough. So what does it look like to train? I mean, it's like running laps and doing push-ups, right? It's like reading your Bible daily. Just saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a commitment to do that, like, like sit-ups, you know? It's, it's saying, I'm going to pray regularly. Not just incidentally, not just those quick, you know, God help me moments, um, but really, I'm going to pray regularly. Spending time in solitude without the distraction of your phone or other things around us to actually be alone with yourself and with your God. It's going to church, spending time in community, serving others, practicing generosity. All of these things train us, like going to the gym for our souls, And they turn our good intentions into actual faithful courage. I mean, you can want to do better till you're blue in the face, right? But if you want to be brave, you've got to train. You've got to train for moments like that. When the heat turns up, right? And the fears overwhelm you, you've got to be trained to know how to respond in those moments to be faithful. You've got to train. You know what? Even that's not enough. I mean, if we're honest, right? I think we know that. Even if we overcome all of our fears, even if we follow through on our good intentions, there will still be times when, like Peter, we fail. And if Peter fails, I mean, him who was there, who saw him, who, I mean, I just... He saw like the transfiguration on the mountain as the glory of God shone through Jesus, right? And if Peter fails, listen, you cannot be the hero of your story. But you know what else? Failure never has to be the end of our story. Not for Peter, not for you, not for me. Failure never has to be the end of the story. You can't miss that here. But this is why Jesus came to die for failures. I mean, he, he knew this was going to happen. He's not surprised in this moment there. He knew. And Jesus looks at Peter, knowing what it's going to cost in that moment, right? He looks at him knowing what it's going to cost to forgive him, knowing what it's going to cost to restore him, to bring him back in with, with hope and joy. I mean, forgiveness isn't cheap. But in his death, we're set free. And through his resurrection, we're empowered to actually live the kind of life that he calls us to. I mean, because think about it. Like, if, if it's true that our sins are no longer our master, like, we're not slaves anymore to those same old behaviors and attitudes, callousness and selfishness, if we're no longer slaves to them, if that's true, and that death is no longer the end of our story. That it doesn't define us. It doesn't, it doesn't finish there. If that's true, like, what do we have to fear, really? What's left to be afraid of? 
And so you can go on trying to be your own hero. And like Caiaphas, slap Jesus in the face and condemn him to his death. Or like Peter, you can weep. Not not tears of despair, but tears of repentance, which, which lead to joy. I mean, remember, like, think about, like, this is, G- this is Peter's last moment with Jesus. He thought. Imagine, like, how he reflected upon that moment for the next three days, thinking that was the end. I never get to say I'm sorry. I never get to make it right. I, there's nothing I can possibly, I mean, the weight of shame that he carried, of the denial, remembering that look and knowing that if something else doesn't happen, that look is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. But then the rumor started. And three, three days later, I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves in the story here, right? Um, and Peter hears those rumors. What does he do? Like, does he cower back in fear? Does he, does he you know, come up with his, his defense plan of, well, I could explain it to Jesus like this. It was really, really scary, right? Or, or, you know, have all these ways to justify himself. Or does he just, I mean, think of, does he just run in terror, right? I mean, think, like, again, put yourself there. Like, you just denied this person who you saw die. You abandoned him in that moment. And you watched him die. You watched him buried. And now, like, he's alive again? I mean, if there's any time to run, like, that's, that's it. And yet he doesn't run away. Instead, Peter runs to Jesus. He runs to him because, because Peter knows, like, if forgiveness is possible, that's where it is. If hope can happen, if restoration could be for me, then it's got to be Jesus. And later on, Jesus does restore Peter. And Peter actually preaches, I mean, just a short time later, to probably some of the exact same people that he had been so terrified for preaching of what Jesus had done. Frank, frankly, I mean, Peter spends the rest of his days until his own crucifixion, right? Like, you know, that's how it, how it goes for him. Peter, Peter's crucified upside down for telling his story. But he wouldn't stop telling it. And even that, like, the reason we know this probably happened, right? The, not that it probably happened, but the, the reason we probably know it, does that make sense? Okay. It's probably because Peter was telling it. I can only imagine that he went around saying, this is what, I blew it. And I watched this guy die and then I saw him alive again. And still he forgave me. And he went around throughout the known world proclaiming that message. And that, friends, that can be your story too. It can be mine. And even just, I mean, church isn't a place for people who have it all figured out, right? Who can fix their own problems. It's not a place for people who think they're heroes, honestly. It doesn't work that way. Church is for messes, like them, like me, like us. For Jesus was denied so that you and I never have to be, not really. And Jesus faced his greatest fears. I mean, you saw his fears in the garden, right? That previous story. And on the cross, he faced those fears so that our fears never have to to rule over us or master us, right? And he went to the cross and came out of the grave alive so that even our failure and ultimately even our death doesn't have to define us anymore. And if that's true, if, if this actually happened, then, I mean, he is 
the hero in this story, the only hero. And he's the only hero in my story. Who will be the hero in yours? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it just sounds so simple and trite to say thank you. Words that cannot possibly um, even come close to expressing our gratitude for what you've done for us. And even our gratitude, my gratitude for including this story in your book about you. Because I find so much hope knowing that even Peter, who did something so terrible, even he is welcomed back, restored, forgiven, and given a job to do in your name. God, I pray that we'd believe that that offer stands for all of us. And that forgiveness is ready and available for all who trust in you. I pray that like Peter, we would run to you. Because with you, there's forgiveness in life. Give us joy, knowing, celebrating what you've accomplished. Good morning. Uh, my name is Ryan Deeker. Uh, for those of you who I haven't had the privilege of meeting, I serve on the uh, elder leadership team here for Christ Community. Uh, my wife Nikki and our family have, have called Christ Community home for the past decade, um, all on the Olathe campus. Um, so um, on behalf of the elder leadership team, uh, I've got some exciting and big news to share with you. It's good. Um, and I'm going to hold you in suspense for just a little bit longer um, while I can. So I'm going to give you two pieces of background information, um, and then we're going to watch a video. Um, so uh, one is, as we look back, um, and really about 2008, um, the elder leadership team at the time uh, really started praying through, what does it look like um, for the next 10 years, going into our third decade of ministry as a church? What does that look like? What do we want to be defined um, around and by? Uh, and we really felt like God was, was telling us that the, the decade ahead needed to be one of giving ourselves away um, to impact not only our city, but our country and our world um, for his church and for him. So um, we have now seen the impact of that um, along the way, um, sitting here in 2017. Uh, we look back, what was two campuses is now five. Um, we've graduated another 18 residents through our program, residency program. Um, ten of those are at churches across the country. Two of them are teaching in universities. Uh, six of them are still on staff here um, at Christ Community. Um, we've started programs for uh, workplace um, initiatives with the Kansas City Fellows um, and for, with Made to Flourish, and we could go on and on again. You guys have been incredible um, as a congregation, both in Olathe um, and across our city, um, to be able to allow us to give, each, give ourselves away. And so we're at a moment um, to do that yet again. Um, but first, the second piece of, of background um, that we've been working uh, as an elder leadership team to really think through what does our succession planning look like um, for our key leaders um, on staff? Um, what does that look like for the future? And you may or may not know that we have five campuses around Kansas City. Um, we have a senior pastor team, Mark, Kevin, and Tom, that work with us as elders um, to, to give leadership and direction to the body um, across um, Kansas City as a whole. Um, so those guys couldn't be here this morning. Uh, they wanted to be, uh, but they're uh, going to talk to us via video. So let's watch.
Hi, Christ community. We have some very exciting news for you. 18 months ago, we began Made to Flourish. And Made to Flourish is a vital part of our mission to help equip pastors around the nation connect Sunday to Monday better. And we are very encouraged by the progress so far. From the very beginning of Christ community, we believe leadership matters. Uh, we want to multiply leaders and disciples and churches, and a big part of that is leveraging our leadership well. And recently, I had a conversation with Kevin about his own leverage and what God was doing in his life. Yeah, it was in December of this past year. Uh, Tom and I were together, and it's pretty common for us to do that sort of work, to think about ways to best leverage, leverage our gifts. And I mentioned to Tom that I felt like there was a moment for me to step more fully into the work of Made to Flourish. Uh, I've, part of my role at Christ Community has been working in Made to Flourish, and so I, I knew that was part of um, what I felt God was leading. I didn't know the timing, and uh, as 2017 began, and Sharon and I began to pray, and we were working, I was working to help Tom and uh, Matt uh, Rustin, our executive director at Made to Flourish, think more specifically about a role to create financial sustainability uh, at Made to Flourish. And I began to think, I think that might be me. <laughs> uh, and while it's hard for Sharon and I to think about leaving uh, the pastoral staff uh, at Christ Community, we're excited to stay apart, and we believe that God has been leading us and have received confirmation along the way to to serve full-time in Made to Flourish. Um, one of the pieces of confirmation as we've worked with the elder leadership team and campus pastors and the three of us uh, is we believe we have the right person in place to step into my role uh, to take the leadership uh, that I've been providing over the last 15 years, and that's Nathan Miller. And Nathan, I can say for three of us, uh, we're excited that uh, God has led you to this place. You've said yes, and to have you step into this role. Yeah, well, thanks, Kevin. And I mean, you know, Kevin, that all of us campus pastors, we love you, and you leave a void here that, that can't be filled. Um, but I'm excited, um, overwhelmed, certainly, but I love, I love Christ Community. I first walked into to Christ Community as a high school student uh, 20 years ago, and, and God used this place, and specifically you, Tom, to grab hold of my life, uh, and I fell in love with, with Jesus and his bride, the church, like I'd never before experienced. Uh, and so I'm... Uh, I'm certainly humbled and, and uh, you know, a bit, a bit overwhelmed, um, but eager as, as well to follow Christ together in this place. And some of you might be, be wondering, like, well, what, is this, what does this mean for Olathe? And for those of you particularly sitting in Olathe, like, what's, what's happening? Like, aren't we building there soon? And, and, and all of that is still, is still happening. In fact, we, we're going to break ground in Olathe in, in about a month or so. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, in fact, those of you in Olathe, like, you couldn't get rid of me if you wanted to. Um, I love Olathe. That's, that's our home as a family on Sunday mornings. And we'll continue to worship primarily with you. I'll continue on as the primary teacher uh, in, that, in that place as well. Um, but this also gives an opportunity for us, uh, for me, to be able to work more closely with, with Reed Kappel, who will step into the campus pastor position at Olathe. Um, Reed is an incredible uh, pastor, leader, teacher, friend, and, and he's already been there, and, and he and I have worked alongside each other, and so for him to step into this makes, makes a lot of sense. In fact, he and I will work very similar to how uh, Tom, as senior pastor, uh, and Andrew Jones, as campus pastor, uh, serve at the, at the Leewood campus. And for the rest of you, uh, I'm excited to be able to, to worship with you at some point over these next several months. My family and I uh, look forward to that. We want to meet you and, and hopefully get to know you a little bit as well. Kevin, we're really excited about your new position, and I'm sure out there there's a host of different reactions. Some of you newer to Christ Community may hear the name Kevin Harlan and think merely of a sportscaster. Those of you who have been here longer realize that we're going to have quite a void. 
but Tom and Kevin and I really have a lot of confidence in Nathan and any organization worth its salt does succession planning and this is not a new idea to us with Nathan being around for a while and Reed recently being placed. We didn't have the timing right, but we had some good succession planning. And toward that end, it's also important to remember that Tom is continuing as the lead senior pastor of Christ Community Church. And I, as executive pastor, have no plans to go anywhere soon. I serve at the pleasure of the elders, of course, but I have no plans to go anywhere. So uh, we're gonna provide some stability in that regard. And then lastly, it's very important to remember that we don't do this church thing based on humans. We do this church thing uh, based on the claims of Christ. And as we are transformed ourselves, we wanna take that message to our neighbors, to our community, and to the world. Yeah, it's still weird even the third time watching uh, myself up there, especially when he starts talking to us because I'm like one of us. I'm like, yeah, good point, Nathan. Um, it's weird. Sorry. Uh, but we wanted to, you know, five campuses, you get it. Uh, yeah. So now I'm, I'm going to talk now. Um, well, friends, I, I realize there's probably lots of, lots of process um, and probably uh, some of you have a lot of questions, depending on how long you've been here. Others are new and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Um, that's fine. Um, but if you've been around for a long time or anywhere in that spectrum and you have questions for us, find us, um, email us. We want to talk about it and, and talk through implications and all of that. Uh, but I just want to, as we end, emphasize two things in particular uh, as, we, as we transition kind of to leave us with. First of all, first of all, I hope you know how much I love you how much I love this place. I, I, I want my kids to grow up here. Um, my wife and I, we want to be a part of your lives um, and want to continue on in that capacity. Um, we, we love this place and we love Christ's community. And so we're not going anywhere. So I want you to hear that. Like we're still here. Some of you are like, I thought this was the chance to get rid of them. It's not. Um, I'm here and, and not, not leaving. I'll, I'll continue on. Um, as I said in the video, as the, the primary teacher, I'll, we'll spend, I'll spend the majority of my Sundays here with you. Uh, it's really important to me. Uh, it's, it's part of who I am and who I want to be in this place. And so, um, yeah, you're not getting rid of me. Um, but, but alongside of my, you know, my responsibilities here in Olathe, and those are going to shift obviously quite a bit in some of the ways that I am able to engage and lead. Uh, but in addition to the responsibility in Olathe, I'll be working closely with, with Tom and Mark and the elder board as we give oversight to the whole and, and work uh, for the good, hopefully, of all of our campuses. I'll, I'll work with and lead the campus pastor team. Uh, and I love those guys. I'm really, really excited to be able to spend more time with them um, as they shepherd uh, in congregations like this one um, across our city. Uh, and then I'll also coordinate uh, our pastoral residency and, and work with those that we're training up to send out uh, into, into pastoral ministry. Um, so definitely some changes, uh, and yet you're not, uh, you're not getting rid of me. Uh, second, second, and I, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I want our new campus pastor uh, to join me up here. That'd be you, Reed. Well, I, I am really excited about this. I mean, Reed, Reed is an awesome uh, leader, preacher, uh, friend. You know, he has been on staff with Christ Community for eight years, uh, but only here in Olathe for 10 months, which is kind of crazy to think about. If you think about, like, not even a year yet. Uh, and yet it's so clear that he just sort of 
not sort of, he just belongs. Um, he's part of who we are, uh, part, and, and Megan and their family. I mean, they're just, they're family with us, and it happens so quickly. Um, and his giftedness is, is just incredible. I have such uh, respect and affection for, for you, Reed, for Megan, uh, for your family, and just really excited uh, to think what this is going to look like in, in the future. Um, and and as, as he steps into his leadership role here, um, let me just say, like, you couldn't, you couldn't be in better hands. And I, I mean that. I've, I have had, um, these last few weeks, I have had more than a few sleepless nights. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, a bit of tossing and turning. Just thinking about my own sense of inadequacy and being overwhelmed and fear and new, new roles and responsibility. I love Christ's community. I'm terrified I'm going to screw up, okay? Um, but I'm excited, but it's like there's, there's a lot at stake. And so I've had a lot of anxiety. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating even a tiny bit. The one thing I have not once felt anxious about or worried about is the Olathe campus. And I love the Olathe campus. I've been here a long time with you. Um, but I'm not worried because uh, Reed is awesome. Um, and Patrick and the killer team around uh, this, this campus here is just really incredible. And so uh, we here who worship here, we are in good hands. Um, and I'm so I'm so excited. I, I believe uh, that we have good days ahead. And as we build, like that's happening in just a month, we're going to break ground and things are changing all over the place. We thought, well, why not just change everything, right? Um, so we're, we're, we're daunted, um, but we're really encouraged by God's faithfulness and the ways in which uh, he has clearly orchestrated step by step um, along, the, along the way here to make all this happen. But we need to pray, don't we? So why don't you stand with me? Um, again, I, I love you. Uh, thanks for being such an incredible church. It is such a privilege um, to be one of your pastors, and I look forward to that continuing. Uh, so Ryan is going to pray, um, and then our new campus pastor is going to send us out with a benediction, and I'm going to do nothing. So. I'm just glad we did this before we have four services, because each service, the emotion seems to oh, get a little bit more, and tired. we'd so be up tired. here blubbering like, uh, yeah. So anyway, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, um, for what you continue to do uh, in Christ's community across this city um, at all five of our campuses. Um, we thank you um, for your bride, um, for, for your church. Um, God, we thank you for Nathan, uh, Kelly, and their family, for the leadership that they have provided here in Olathe, that they will continue to provide um, here in Olathe, but across our city as well, with all the other campuses and programs. Um, God, we thank you for Reed and for Megan, for their family, um, how much of a fit that they have been um, since they moved over here. Um, God, we, we look forward to, um, to Reed and his new role um, and the leadership that he can provide um, here in Olathe. God, we pray for ourselves as a congregation um, that you would um, help us embrace change um, when it's scary, when it's uh, good, when it's, um, yeah, all of that. Um, you have planned so much farther ahead um, than we could ever imagine. Um, for your glory, we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Well, our benediction, our good word for the road comes from the book of Jude. And so hear these words. Um, as a blessing to us as we leave this place into our places of influence. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>